Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Peace Country Musical Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Harcourt. Uh, this week we have another amazing musician on the line, so you enjoy. Well, hey, on the line today we got Dan Flam going. How's it going? Good, how are you doing? <laughs> Not too bad. I don't know if I've told you this, but we've been, we're listened to in like 25 countries now which is kind of blows my mind. So 25 countries, 25 countries now. It's crazy. Crazy. So hmm. give us a little bit of your background. Tell us a bit about well, yourself. <clears throat> I was born in one country, not 25. So <laughs> that'll, that'll slim that right down nice. uh, about, about myself. Uh, where do I start? Well, I'm a, I'm a peace country boy, mm-hmm. uh, born and raised. I uh, was born in McLennan. Uh, family of four, mom and dad, they worked hard. Uh, my dad was a butcher by day and he, and uh, we farmed in the evening kind of deal. And on weekends, we had a farm just outside of uh, Dollyview in the White Mud area. And my mom worked at the hospital, moved to Peace River in, when I was 10 in 1979. So I just aged myself. And <laughs> so going from McLennan to Peace River, that was like going to a metropolis. So I was actually blown away. And uh, so I was actually... It was a it was an eye opener to say the least, and me and my French accent and going to school and eventually I settled right in. It took me a few years, but then I started playing sports and uh, you know lots of football, volleyball, badminton kind of deal, and uh, I more or less kind of made my home around um, the peace country in a sense, right? So was there a lot of music going on in your guys' household? In a household, there was uh, dad. Uh, my dad had an upright uh, piano and he played accordion, right? So, and then my grandma on my mom's side, she played uh, fiddle and harp. And my grandpa, like my mom's dad, he played a bit of guitar. And then my mom's brother, Uncle Paul, he played accordion. And uh, and then like on the, uh, still on my mom's side, like the Roy family, I think you're familiar with like Leon Roy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and those guys, well, we're related to those guys. So it was the Roy family band, and they played everything. Like Leon, Roy was a keyboard and accordion, um, and Michelle was guitar. Henry was fiddle and guitar. Joe was banjo. His wife Janine uh, played guitar, and Claude was the youngest was the youngest one, and he was the drummer. So I kind of gravitated towards those guys pretty close. Cool. So whenever we have a big family gathering or Christmas gathering and we knew the Roy family was there like it was like the house was full the basement was rocking right so and uh a rainbow connection I think Dwayne Steele uh actually played with uh, rainbow country in his early years with Leon and the boys so there's kind of a little bit of that connection there hmm. yeah nice a rock festival for a family gathering you gotta love it well it wasn't a rock festival it was uh <laughs> like old-time music and accordion you know what I mean like the yeah. uh the waltzes and the, the old traditional stuff, right? So there's lots of that going on. And then, you know, like uh, the instrumentals, like Wipeout and and uh, The Ventures and uh, Pipeline. And yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Sweet. So when, uh, when you got into the music, what was your first instrument? My first instrument? My first instrument, I think, would be uh, my voice singing. I did lots of that. I'd sing. Mm-hmm. Mom would have the radio on, whether it was in a house or, or in the car. So whenever we go in the car, she would just kind of crank it. And 
and I would just sing along not knowing what lyrics are. I would just kind of hum it, pretend that I knew what the words were <laughs> and just kind of fake my way around that. But, you know, then when I started kind of singing and singing along to the radio and stuff like that, my, my hands and my feet kind of followed suit in a sense. Right. So I would just try to keep time and whatever. And, and then after a while, I just started kind of beating on things, uh, drum wise, uh, you know, rhythms. And, and then after a good, healthy, uh, threat from my mom the uh, ring stove the ring stove top became really uh, <laughs> off limits so I kind of really peter off with that it was because it was absolutely noisy so but I just love the sound that it made so then after that it was uh, I got my first little snare drum I remember like when I was a little kid like two years old I had a snare drum and I would just bang that and I kind of went through the head on that it was just a cheap plastic things right but yeah I always had that uh the notion in my head that yeah, this rhythm stuff's pretty cool. And, but then I got playing uh, piano. Uh, I started playing piano and I did everything by ear, try to copy my dad and uh, never really took, I never took lessons. So everything's all done by ear, even to this day, but the keyboards were kind of really, really huge uh, for me in a sense, because to this day, I still use like a little Casio keyboard to figure out, uh, harmonies right to f figure out where <laughs> where to go with some stuff so it's, yeah. it's kind of neat and then after that I just gravitated to just playing drums you know I was a very hyperactive kid and I had a hard time uh, sitting still you could wrap me with duct tape and I'd get out of it and I'd still I'd still be wandering all <laughs> over the place so I was I was that guy so <laughs> I I know you're laughing but it's it's a true story man <laughs> oh. I'm just picturing this, that you're all yeah, wrapped up in I, duct tape and you still get out of it. <laughs> I was a living nightmare in hell for my mom and dad, I tell you. I mean, it, was, it was crazy. I, I, I can imagine a lot of drummers when they're younger were <laughs> hell for their mom and dad. Yeah, well, I never really got, I, I uh, when I was like, I think 13, 14, I had a part-time job and that's when I first bought my first real drum set, an actual full drum kit, right? So nice. I bought that at the, H&S Music from Randy Hodgkinson when they were in town at Peace River here. So, so yeah, so I saved up, I can't remember what it was, but I bought a big, a big honk and Pearl export series. I think it was like a seven piece. Holy then I bought Rototoms and then I bought Octrons <laughs> and like, it, it's hilarious. Like the bigger, I figured it would be better, but no, you, you still got to know how to play the fundamentals, man. So eventually it's like the, the more I learned how to, play or figure it out i guess because I, I was self-taught the less the smaller the less I, I, yeah the smaller god yeah 100 <laughs> well every, every drummer when they're young dreams of a big neil yeah. Peart drum kit right oh man crazy but it's true when you see that it's just it's, it's like a, it's a force to be reckoned with right but oh, you got to be able to know what you're doing back there so that definitely wasn't me man yeah <laughs> and it's a lot easier to pack around when it's small right so oh, of course yeah you just fold everything up that's what i do <laughs> yeah you can yeah no my stuff's pretty compact i got a you know it's a little six piece uh kit i just have an extra floor tom right so yeah it's pretty straightforward nice yeah so we we covered your first instrument do you, do you play any other well you said you played the casio piano you, you plunk around on it yeah, I can play the keys. I can hold a, I can hold a pretty basic cheesy melody and stuff like that. And <laughs> stuff that catches my ear, I can kind of fuddle my way around it. But as soon as it gets uh, like progressive chord changes and stuff like that, no. Like my left hand does not do anything. My right hand does everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm that guy. I, I'm a, 
can't do it I'm at a the chop- same time. Yeah, I'm a chopsticks kind of guy, but I play chopsticks pretty cool. Like, I make it sound pretty funky. So. You can rock that yeah. shit out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you were growing up, uh, you said it was a lot of country. So, is that your favorite genre? What's your uh, favorite artist or group? My favorite artist or group? Yeah. Um, like I said, the early days was... Uh, uh, that was instilled into me was was definitely the country and and the instrumental stuff right and uh, the waltzes and uh, the old time waltz and and that kind of stuff and that was from my dad and uh, and then the Roy family band mm-hmm. when my mom and dad they divorced right in seventy nine so my dad stayed in McLennan and my mom uh, when we moved to Peace we had a place there but when I'd go visit my dad or stay at my dad's for an extended length of time uh i would we we still had a room upstairs it was a two-story house and my dad would be downstairs and then just before we go to bed at night he would load up the record player with like 10 uh, vinyls so once one was done the other one would drop and, and it would just carry on and he would just have it blasting but i went to bed with music on my brain all the time and he'd have like uh candles heavens just to sin away those guys the the dad and daughter duo they were great randy travis eight by ten just mm-hmm. came out then Wayland jennings Oh, geez, who else did he have there? Like he had uh, CCR, Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn, Clint Black, uh, Freddie Fender, you know, like stuff like that. It was, it was so cool. Every night, every night the records were dropping, and uh, and that's kind of why I went to bed, right? So, but when it comes to favorite genre, the one that kind of inspired me, I guess, or instilled the music loving me, would I guess it would be kind of country. But as soon as I hit the teens or something like that, for sure, was the it was the uh, I kind of float around on genres to be honest with you, mm-hmm. like uh, like classic rock, classic country, old time country, man to progressive rock. Like I'm 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 really hip on Dream Theater. You know my favorite drummer is like Mike Mangini of that of that uh, genre. Yeah. You know and then there's like Benny Grabs, Thomas Langs when it comes to drummer, but you know Phil Collins, Don Henley by far like the Eagles for me is the is by far the most influential man. Like when I, when I heard that uh, Don Henley was the guy who was singing lead and then I found out he was a drummer and it just kind of, I just did like a 180 and it was like, man, that's incredible. Hmm. So yeah, I, I guess my early inspiration, I guess would be Don Henley for sure. And the Eagles. Absolutely. And then, you know, then you get to the classic rock stuff like Foreigner, like sticks journey, <laughs> the Beatles, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, and then, uh, man, there's lots. Like Foo Fighters, Volbeat. Oh, yes, Volbeat. So, you know what I mean? And then the country stuff like Vince Gill, Steve Warner. Like, you can't go wrong there. Yeah. And uh, then what else? Like Poco was like uh, another version of uh, the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, Phil Collins, you know, Patsy Klein. There's a lot. I, I'm just... If it's if it's uh, really tasty to the ear, I kind of gravitate towards it. So it, to me, it doesn't really matter what genre of music. Just music in what general. I, yeah, hundred percent. But what do I play the most? Absolutely, like uh, country and some original stuff with the band that I'm in for sure. And I I love that to death. And uh, the classic rock, man, you just can't go wrong. For some reason, classic rock just won't die. So and that's awesome because I'm an '80s kid. So '80s and '90s, man. Yeah. And that's for me is is a huge era in, in music history for same, me same here yeah. same here yeah 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 
So what was the yeah, first I see album? that on your drum videos. Oh, do you? Pardon me? <laughs> oh, yeah. I see your drum videos, and I and I stalk you. And then I tell other people, man, this, look at this guy. Who does this guy think he is just nailing it like that? What a bugger. So, yeah, but your videos are great, man. I appreciate like, Seriously, they're great. I appreciate you're, it. You're a solid dude. Love it. I love it, too. <laughs> you, you should. <laughs> So okay, but what what <laughs> what was the first album that you ever purchased? My first album, uh, well, my first album was a mixed eight track. <laughs> That's how old I am, and I, I, I can't I can't remember where I got. I don't know if I got it from uh, a garage sale or something like that. But I remember when I got it, I just my uncle had given me an old uh, uh, record player that had an eight track built into it, so. When I got the A track, I was just loving it. And then it had that, uh, it had that hooked on a feeling by uh, Blue Suede. Mm, yeah. Like, ooga jaga, ooga, ooga, ooga jaga. Yeah. And I just like, <laughs> man, I just fell in love with that, like the vocals and the harmonies and, and how that song just drove. And BJ Thomas uh, covered that too. And then it was like Sean Cassidy, <laughs> <laughs> like, was on there, ABBA, Dancing Queen. Yeah, and there were some other ones on there. I, I think Beatles was on there too, but yeah, that was my first day track. And that and that didn't last long. Those things just don't last long, right? No, they didn't. So, <laughs> yeah, then they started warping and whatever. But then my first CD that I ever bought when CDs first came out, it kind of explains to you where I'm at when it comes to the love of genres. I bought uh, Restless Heart Wheels. Mm -hmm. That was my first country CD. And, and at the same time, I bought... Uh, Def Leppard's Hysteria. To this day, I could listen to those things front to back and crazy good stuff. All good tunes, man. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, you, you start I talking. Hear, I, I could I could hear you reminiscing from over here. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, I'm it's listening like, to you talking about all these old like, bands and everything. Yeah. And, and I'm getting lost in in thought, thinking about the same thing and what what bands that. I was used to listen to and sing along with. And, and then I'm like, well, oh, shit, it's quiet. I better talk. <laughs> but it's true, though, right? So yeah. what happens when, you, when you're talking with me, when people who love music in that regard, all you got to do is mention one band, and then all of a sudden their mind is like, oh, yeah, and then there's this band, and oh, yeah, and then it's, oh, it just doesn't stop. The conversation you know, can like, last for hours. Oh, it's absolutely. There's no right or wrong. Uh, it's it's what you gravitated towards, too, right? So uh, yeah. That's why I love music so much because it's uh it's it, you know it's like an international voice and well, it, brings it doesn't really together. matter. I agreed. It brings yeah. everybody to well not everybody but yeah. it brings a lot of people together. I never would have met you. Well, exactly. If it wouldn't have been, I would have never met probably ninety five percent of the people that I know if it wouldn't have been for music. Yeah, because I think so. The, the very first time I ever met you, uh, you were doing the sound for Rockin' Horse in the Gram. Yeah. 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 And, and those were, and, and people say that, you know, and that's the thing I'll, I kind of want to clarify too is uh, people uh, say, Hey, you used to play with uh, rock and horse. You're the drummer. I said, no, 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 yeah. I wasn't that guy. That was, that was uh, Mr. Vinny Slamnaham Gorham, right? That was yeah. him. And how I ended up with the rock and horse gig, it turned, you know, I, I went and hung out for, for a weekend. And then after that, I went and hung out for a week. And then after that, I went and hung out for uh, five <laughs> weeks. And then five years later, you know, it was like, it was, uh, it was the best learning experience ever. I don't think I would have uh, music the way that I do now if it wouldn't have been for that behind the scenes experience. So it was like going to school 
and uh, figuring it out from ground zero and from behind the scenes and you know and that's and those guys were doing ridiculous harmonies and then it was all about dynamics and yeah and uh man they're they're incredible and you know and when i started with them they were like the the country version of police right they were a three-piece and yeah and they sounded so huge and the reason why i got to start hanging out with those guys is on my 18th birthday uh i was uh i never tried getting into the bar before that obviously because I looked like 12 years old when I was 18. <laughs> and, uh, but when I went there, I went to the Silver Spur and uh, it was Rockin' Horse as a three-piece playing. Yeah. And uh, then, then we kind of had a conversation and then later on I said, hey, you, let's get the birthday boy up here to, to play some drums. We hear you play drums. So I went up there and, and, uh, and faked my way to keep your hands to yourself. And <laughs> to me, being behind a drum kit, you know, uh, through an energized PA where you feel the bottom end and the volume and how impactful it is. It was just the harmony of the guys playing like guitar, bass and how, you know what I mean? How it, ah, okay, there's a lot to this. So, oh, yeah. and after that, and after that, I was, I was hooked even more, right? I played in a high school band, but doing that, uh, it took me to another level of uh, wanting to do that big time. But things come as they come, I guess, and uh, I was pretty fortunate. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty blessed and pretty lucky because, and, and on top of that, you, I got to hang out with uh, uh, arguably the best band in, in freaking Canada at the time, right? So yeah. I don't know. It was, yeah. it was unreal. And now, yeah. when you were doing sound for these guys, you, you've got an interesting story about. Uh, I don't know, some kind of food when you were up in Yellowknife <laughs> or, or, or where, no, you were in uh, Whitehorse or something like that. Weren't yeah. You? Who, oh yeah. So the story runs around, Hey, it does. It does. Yeah. So this was, that's a, Oh man. I started, I had more or less kind of, I said, oh, I'll just come and hang out with you guys. He goes, well, we're going to go up to uh, Whitehorse and it's a four week gig. So you go up there for a month at a time. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm interested in doing that. So I never, I, I never ended up going back to my job because at that time I was working up in Jamalang Pipeline <laughs> mm-hmm. and I just never went back. So I just hopped on a bus <laughs> with these guys and went and hung out. It, I did a couple, I did about three weeks prior to Whitehorse and then we went up there and uh, then eventually uh, the bar was open during the day. So I would just kind of work on the gear and putts and, but they had a popcorn machine there. And uh, <laughs> so bands bands could eat popcorn for free and uh, can have any fountain pop right so mm-hmm. so i was going in, in there every day and sometimes two or three times a day and i would just <laughs> fill my face uh, with popcorn <laughs> so the underlying message to this is that i was flat broke <laughs> i was flat broke hanging out in the bar and uh gigging with these guys and doing production and uh and my uh, breakfast uh dinner and and uh supper was oodles amount of popcorn but then i got ratted up by one of the waitresses and i think she approached dave milner and said uh your tech is uh like he's eating a side of popcorn could you ask him to kind of settle down a bit so dave came up to me and he says hey dude uh gonna have to settle down on eating the popcorn we got a little bit of complaints says, yeah no not a problem and then he kind of looked at me he goes uh so why are you eating so much popcorn i said no it's all good man and then dave kind of went no way so you kidding me? Oh, that he felt so bad, right? So right, and there was a pizza joint into that building of the club at the Copper King on top of Two Mile Hill there that we uh, that we played at. So he took me out for pizza, and then after that, he kind of talked to the boys, and and that's when I kind of became a professional. <laughs> I started actually I started, getting paid. I, I started getting paid, yeah. So <laughs> you know, to this day, I'm a, uh, I love popcorn, man. It's crazy. So, you know, it just goes to show that 
you know, if you want to do it, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be, I wanted to do that and I wanted to learn and, you know, I, I was going to stop at nothing. So <laughs> no, it, it was really good, man. I really uh, gravitated towards it and they just let me have free reigns. And I'm, I'm one of those guys where uh, if I read a manual, uh, it won't sink in, but if, uh, if I'm hands-on, then absolutely it's, uh, then it works great. Yeah. It sticks. So yeah. I'll never, those are the years, like the first 10 years of my life in a sense out of school, yeah. other than a year working up north was spent uh, on the road. And back in the day, it was, uh, we were doing like 50, 50 weeks a year. Yeah. And it was like five nighters, six nighters. It was, it was crazy. Back when you had and to play the it, whole week in the bar. That's right. Monday to Saturday. And, and sometimes you, uh, Saturday sometimes afternoon jams. jams. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. And and the jams, I took advantage of those. I was up playing on the kit, right? When I was uh second. So no, it was it was super, super cool. I cherish those years, I really do. Baby as much steps. of a pain in the butt some stuff was and uh yeah. some aspects I wasn't the easiest to get along with because me I just mm-hmm. it's all about perfection, right? So sometimes uh sometimes I let it get the best of me, but so how old were you when you actually got into your, your own first band? Uh uh, mid twenties, yeah, mid twenties. So, when when Rock and Horse disbanded, when because uh, Dwayne got his uh, writing deal down at Warner Chapel, and uh, so he took off down to Nashville, mm-hmm. and then Dave Milner uh, kind of branched out and started his own uh, band called Rodeo Drive. And when Rock and Horse disbanded, I went and I came to Peace River here, and I was working for uh, an all field company. We did all well cementing on the ridge, and uh, so I did that. For a little stint, that's when Dave kind of had reached out again. He says, hey, Dan, uh, let's go back on the road. And I said, no, I don't want to go back on the road being a tech. He goes, no, I want you to be my drummer. And I went, you are bleeping me. He goes, no, I'm not. So <laughs> and uh, so he, he took me on, and he was super patient with it all. And uh, and really, to this day, I owe, I owe all of that Dave Milner. He's the guy who, who took me on, took a chance on me, and so we went and did that for a couple of years and then he, he met his wife and then he got off the road, started a family. And then I took over the band from there and it became uh twang bango. And then I did that uh, for an, another two and a half years. And then I got off the road in 97. Then after that, it was, I sold everything. I had nothing to do musical. And then I met my wife and she had no idea I played music and till later on and and that was pretty much about it and then i got back slowly got back into uh drumming and then i got asked to play with with the band and got asked to play here got asked to play there and then after that i caught the bug again so yeah <laughs> and i'm glad i did nice well we're going to take a short break and when we return daniel's <laughs> daniel has got an awesome story to tell about his you were playing in edmonton i think with your band bang twango and you've got a toby key story that i want you to share with the, with everyone so we'll be right back and we're back from our break how many bands have you been in over the years and can you name them all um my first band was out of high school that band was called chancellor and uh then after that i played uh i played with northern aces for a little stint and uh you know the band in high school chancellor uh there was a guy that uh is from peace river and he he jammed with our band and we actually did a 
we actually did a show with him, but his name is Todd Woolsey. And if you don't know who Todd Woolsey is, if you just look up Trick Pony, Lori Morgan, Pam Tillis, or that Garth Brooks Benefit concert, he's a guitar player. So he's a Peace River boy living in uh, Fairview, Tennessee. And, uh, and yeah, he's a smoking player. So, and when Trick Pony first came out, uh, you know that song, Pour Me a Little Shot of Whiskey, whatever, that's Trick Pony. Yeah. Well, that's, that's Todd Woolsey all over that. So, nice. so that's my claim. That's my claim to fame with old Todd. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so then it was Northern Aces. Then after that, um, it was Rockin' Horse uh, as a tech. But like I said, it was the important years of my development in a sense. Yeah. And then from, from that, tech and from, uh, for Rockin' Horse, you know, when uh, Rockin' Horse would be recording or have time off, I get, uh, I get contracted out. Like I did, I did the tech work for One Horse Blue like the Jonah Brothers, Poverty Plainsman, Brett Barrow. There was a band that came up from uh, Texas and uh, Roger Morgan out of Silver Spurs said, hey, Dano, says, uh, since you guys are playing, is your gear available? Because I got these guys coming up and they're just coming up with the van and their, and their back line. And he said, would you do production for these guys? You know, at least start here. And, and I said, sure. And the band's name was uh, Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. And those guys were from uh, Waco, I believe, from that area. Uh, so they ended up doing a little mini tour. Uh, so they did uh, Peace River, then Grand Prairie, Edmonton, and then Kamloops. So when they came to Peace River and I kind of had everything set up ready for them to go, they're, like they were absolutely ridiculously like smoking. And then they were playing this cover, uh, put some drive in your country. And they said, yeah, it's Travis Tritt. He's an up and comer. And they were doing his cover before it was an even, <laughs> before it was even popular. And these guys were absolutely incredible. Well, in that band uh, was Michael Britt. He was a guitar player. So Michael Britt ended up being one of the founding members of Lone Star. And then the keyboard player, uh, Jeff McMahon, was the uh, was uh, the uh, musical director for Tim McGraw's Dance Hall Doctors, right? So he's, mm -hmm. he, he was with Tim McGraw for forever and a day. So, so yeah, so, and I still got an 8 by 10 signed by those guys. But, you know, you don't know anything of it back then, right? Yeah. Same thing with, like, Clay Walker uh, at Cook County Saloon in Edmonton all the time. That's kind of where he came up from Texas, and he absolutely killed it over there. And then then he got famous, and uh, and he's still a pretty cool dude, right? So, mm -hmm. and then after Rockin' Horse, it was uh, Rodeo Drive with, uh, like I said, Dave Milner, uh, and Twang Bango. And then I did some work with... Uh, local phenoms uh, katie and jason lucic here out of peace server i absolutely adore those guys too They're super talented killer songwriters killer musicians uh so that was with the band midnight lights and then i have a little side project lump sum that's kind of ongoing so um whenever anybody needs a classic rock or uh, a classic country kind of band to kind of fill in the void then i put that together and away we go but my full-time priority right now is the Brad Lynch band. And, uh, and I've done lots of fill-in uh, work with uh, artists from uh, BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan too, right? So mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been pretty lucky, actually. So That's I good. can't complain. Now this band, Twang Bango. With, with Twang Bango. Twang yeah. Bango. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get off the hook without telling us this Toby Keith story. <laughs> Man. So, so go ahead and fill us in. <sighs> Toby Keith. So we were playing uh, Twang Bangle. We were playing a club uh, just outside of, uh, at the time, I believe it was the Northlands Coliseum. Mm -hmm. And it was called the Long Riders Saloon, just off 118th. And, uh, 
and just down the road, we were literally down the road from Northlands Coliseum and there was a concert going on. And then when the concert goes out, Long Riders just absolutely fills up even more. So it was kind of so-so uh, busy, but then it, it was packed as soon as they came in. So then there was uh, the Toby Keith entourage uh, kind of walked in. It was Toby Keith and a couple of his bandmates. So then uh, Toby Keith walks up. With, you could see he was talking to whoever he was, and then they pointed him over to our direction, and he goes, uh, so who do I talk to about getting up on stage and jam with you guys? And we're just like, holy, this guy's a, like, he's a, he's a big, like, he's a big man. He's like 6'3", like 6'4". He's around there, probably like 250 pounds, and then put him with cowboy boots. He's like, he's eight feet tall, right? So <laughs> he, he was a big boy, and then he's, so they all pointed at me. He goes, yeah, he's the guy to ask. And he goes, oh, hey, so I was just wondering if you guys know any of my tunes. I just brought a couple of my guys. Maybe we can get together and get on stage and get the crowd rocking even more. And I said, yeah, well, no, we don't know what should have been a cowboy. And, and he was like dumbfounded. And at that time we had uh, a female lead singer, Eka Janice, like one of the best singers out, out there at the time. And uh, so we did a lot of, we did a lot of female stuff. And the only, the only male stuff we did was later on in the evening when I kind of took on some classic rock stuff. Right. So, yeah. but so and so he was kind of annoyed and he kind of said well how would you not know a top 40 how would you not know a top 40 like the thing's number one like what the hell's the matter with you guys kind of deal that kind of vibe right and then i said i'm sorry like i'm sorry we just don't know it and then he says well i guess we can figure out something to do on on stage so you, you don't mind if we get up there i said no absolutely not so then he gets up there and i think he brought his guitar player and uh and and i, I think it was a steel player but a steel player played bass so we got up there and the first thing that comes out of his mouth <laughs> to the mic and everybody's freaking out, right? So the crowd's looting his mind says, Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play some songs here, but I'd like to play I'd like to play one of mine, but this band here doesn't know a top forty hit, my number one song that's across Canada right now. And then the whole crowd was going, Boo, boo and I was like, Man, you <laughs> like so I so I was sitting behind him and I'm going, you know, he's a big bugger as it is and I um, you know, I was not thinking nice thoughts. And uh, so we, I think we did like Sweet Home Alabama and then we did a Steve Ray Vaughan song and something like that. And uh, my guitar player at the time kind of looked over at me and I'm kind of going, oh, man. And then Kobe turns around and goes, you, seriously, you guys don't know any of my stuff? And I said, no. And then he kind of turned around. He made a comment to his guy and I says, well, and then I made a comment where, well, we usually try to stick to top 40 hits. <laughs> <laughs> and then Toby kind of turned around and kind of gave me dirty eye. So he said bye to the crowd. And then when he was setting down his uh, acoustic guitar, so he had to, then the acoustic guitar stand was right by my drum kit. And he kind of turned around and looked at me and he kind of, he hid in front of his body and he gave me the finger and he kind of did the big <laughs> F you. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> so I didn't know. So he, and his other bandmate was kind of looking, he's like, hey, man, shaking his head. I'm like, oh, sorry, man. I said, no, it's all good. So, yeah, so Toby uh, has no use for me whatsoever. And uh, <laughs> what do you do, man? It sucks to get booed from the crowd that you were playing for before he showed up, right? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So what was your favorite venue uh, when you played? And, and do you still play there or will you still play there? You know, at the end of the day, there's there's a lot of favorite venues, so it's really hard to single out. But the ones that stick out to me, probably because we played there so much, it, it almost became like a second home. So I'm going to go with that. 
uh, Kelly's Bar. Well, I can't just do one. Kelly's Bar, Sutherland End. Like I was smitten with that place. That's the road, uh, the road bands back in the day, the traveling bands. A lot of us grew up there. Cook County was another one. Uh, the New Grand, believe it or not, uh, was like a second home for me. So yeah. a lot of times when, because uh, the rock and horse boys, when they go home to visit their families, sometimes I would just, Eddie would put me up in the room and says, no, you stay here. You could stay upstairs. No problem, Benny. No problem. So it's like, so yeah, I just sometimes I'd hang out a week or two. Sometimes over Christmas, I stayed at the New Grand and ate, uh, ate downstairs at the Chinese food place or Pizza Haven. To this day, my favorite pizza on the planet. Yeah, I do special trips to Fairview for Pizza Haven Pizza. The pizza bread's the best. Oh, the, so I don't know what it is, but whatever they're doing, keep it going because, you know, it's all good. Nice. So what's the biggest crowd you've ever played for? The biggest crowd? Um, well, I could say that two ways. I teched, uh, you know, at Craven with their Rock and Horse, so that was a pretty huge crowd there. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty intimidating, right? Um, but to play for, I think it was uh, Grand Prairie Bud Country when they had Bud Country back in the day. Oh yeah. And that was with Twang Bango, and I think there's like five, six thousand people there. Oh yeah. Um, so that's that's a decent size, right? So, yeah. you know, and that was our that was my uh, first big experience on uh, on a big stage with a big production, and uh, and then Bear Creek Folk Festival with the Brad Lynch Band um, out of Grand Prairie that. That Bear Creek Folk Festival is absolutely stunning. I love, I love the intimacy of that. You can have a large crowd and still feel like you're in front row yep. in your living room. So, I, I, and the performers and the artists, and and on top of that, they treat you like gold. So, I don't know. That's uh, that's one of my favorite venues there too, as well. Nice. Yeah. So, do you have a bucket list? Anything you still like to achieve? Bucket list. Everybody says, you know, that working for a living really sucks. But if you can play music for a living as a musician and eat it and breathe it and um, and be successful at it, that's kind of, that's still a bucket list, right? But I'm a realist, you know, when you got bills to pay, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how that goes. And, uh, and I get that. So, but, but at least with this, I'm able to play music on the side and, uh, and have a, and work on the side and have a family and uh, I wouldn't trade. It's actually perfect right now. The blend is great. The blend is it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I you, really can't complain. So you guys have a, a new project in the work, don't you? You you and the Brad Lynch band? Yeah, Brad Lynch is uh he's current we've been working through the pandemic a little bit, but everything kind of slowed down there. But uh Brad Lynch band uh he's recording with uh Bum Punk out of Nashville and uh he's gonna do a full album. It's been a, a steady but slow go, but I think it's going to speed up here in the next little while. And, and some of the stuff that we've heard already is uh, absolutely stunning. So uh, nice. I, it's going to be, it's going to be an actual true representation of Mr. Brad Lynch yeah. uh, and his artistry and his songwriting skills and, uh, and his, and, and his vocal stylings, right? Like he's, he doesn't sound like anybody else, which I love. And, uh, and he's, he's seriously one of the nicest guys in town. He's a great dude. Nice. And you guys, mm-hmm. uh, you, you do have a, a gig coming up here on the, tw- not the 9th, sorry. Yeah, so we have some, uh, April 9th, we're doing the uh, Alberta Pond Hockey Association. Uh, that was in lieu, usually uh, when we have the Pond Hockey Championships, uh, we put on a gala, but this year it got postponed again due to the pandemic. But mm-hmm. now that the restrictions all lifted off, the board members to put on a, a gala and a concert to to kind of commemorate and kind of thank the sponsors because it takes it takes a mountain and a team of people to 
crazy amount of volunteer hours to put these kind of venues on right so without the sponsors without the mds without the volunteers without the the tireless working hours of of a lot of these individuals these events don't get put on the uh alberta pond hockey championships is is a pretty is a pretty big deal in the area so you know i'm proud to be a part associated with that too as well so nice and then you've got another gig april 23rd coming up at Cook County. Cook County Saloon. Cook County Saloon, yeah. The last time I played at Cook County Saloon was in 1997 when I got off the road. Oh, so, crap. That's right, I know. So I'm really, I'm super <laughs> pumped. That's actually super nostalgic for me. So um, I'm not going to get, like, I, it's not going to, I'm going to be crazy, super emotional, but I'm going to be crazy, super emotional. <laughs> it's going to be good, man. I, I love that venue. I love Cook County, Barry Sparrow and his family, and uh, they're they're just uh, amazing people, and it's it's just an, and my family all lives up in the Edmonton area, so they're finally going to be able to see Brad Lynch. Nobody has nobody in the family has seen the Brad Lynch band yet, so oh, really? I'm really looking. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Nice. They've heard it a lot. They they yeah. heard, you know, when we had the two songs released on uh, Apple and Spotify, right? So they heard it a lot, and so now now you can't hear those songs on the on the Apple and Spotify because they got retracted because they're being re-recorded and redone. There's a lot of healthy stuff uh, coming up in the in the near future, especially for Brad Lynch Band, and uh, our summer's starting to fill up, and uh, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be super good. We got a we got a killer band. I'm looking forward so, to it. Yeah, right. We're actually both the wife and I are looking forward to it. No, this is a pretty this is a pretty cool thing you're doing, Rob, and utmost uh, mad love and mad respect for you, and and I've heard some of the uh, previous. Uh, podcasts you've done so it's really interesting to hear how people come up through and how they get there and to what they're doing to where they are now and uh their thought process on stuff and the crazy little quirks and yeah it's crazy and everybody's unique in their own way right nobody's the same and it's uh yeah that's right i like it i like it a lot so a couple more questions if you could play for an artist or a group or anybody dead or alive Mm -hmm. who would it be right um, if I could play with any artist group, you know, you know, it'd be really, really, really cool. My dad passed away way too, way too young, right? I, I, I had just started uh, toying bango and he came in and hung out in the afternoon because we were playing at Slave Lake and he came in and hung out uh, uh, with us for the afternoon, hung out, played pool and stuff, but he went back home, but he never really heard the band play. I, I really wish he did in a sense. And what would have been cool is that uh, we had a young keyboard player with us too at the time and, uh, and it would have been cool to have dad come up and play a little bit of keys and, you know, kind of do that band thing and just kind of get a feeling of that too. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I think about weird stuff when it comes to stuff like that. I, I doubt if he would have done it cause you know, he's, he's a shy feller, but uh, that would have been cool to play with him in, in some form or other. And if I can play with any artist or group, Prince or Dave Grohl, I think, I think those two would be a hoot uh, group for sure. The Eagles, <laughs> I would, I would, I would kick Don Hanley right off that stool and uh, go do something else. You know, I no seriously. Uh, I love those guys a lot. <laughs> Tell Don, get yeah. off stage, go run sound for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go have a martini. Do what you do. I don't know what you do. So, but yeah. it's really hard to answer these questions with just one answer. It's hard to pinpoint. Yeah, it really is. My mind spinning at 100 miles an hour trying to figure out, but it's one one last question. Okay. Is is there something about you that nobody knows that you can tell us? 
Well, uh, I'm kind of a, believe it or not, I'm kind of an introvert. I kind of like keeping it myself. <laughs> so, but yeah, I know. And if people say that, but at the end of the day, you can ask my wife. She goes like, where's Dano? He says, oh, he's, he's probably in the garage rehearsing or he's by himself or he's doing whatever. But my daily routine is always at 100 miles an hour, if that makes sense. Like, I, yeah. I, my mind doesn't stop. Like, if I get up in the middle of the night and I have to go to the bathroom, good luck trying to go back to bed. My wheel starts spinning and uh, yeah. and that's and that's just kind of how that is. So... So I, I do like a little bit of self-quiet time. I am kind of an introvert and I am kind of a little bit shy, but, and, and people say, there's absolutely no way. But the thing is, the thing with the music thing, it's kind of helped me not be shy, be kind of a social, but really if it wouldn't be for that, I'm kind of shy. I kind of keep to myself and uh, that's pretty much it. A shy guy. I never would have thought it. Yeah. Nice. Well, Daniel, you know what? I appreciate your time spending it with me. I wish you all the best. No, that's awesome. Thank you for that. And I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for including me on your, uh, on your world-class podcast. I love it. So this is so cool. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Peace Country Musical Artist Podcast. And hopefully you enjoy the episode. Thank you.